There was a phrase that was missing from this letter. Off the top of your head, do you know what it was? I don't think he said it's still day one. He did not. So it's day two. <laughs> Hello and welcome to GeekWire. I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop. And I'm GeekWire co-founder John Cook. We've got a fun show coming up for you today, but first I wanted to remind everybody that the GeekWire Awards are coming up on May 18th. John, I know that you and the events team have been working on a great show and people can go to geekwire.com slash awards to find out more. And also voting is underway right now. So definitely wanted to point folks to that and make sure that they're aware not only of the event, but the chance to vote for these awards. Absolutely. We've got a great, great crew, more than 50 companies and organizations up for awards this year. So it should be exciting. Definitely. And coming up on a show in the coming weeks, John and I are going to be talking about some of the categories and giving a little preview of the awards, talking about what the different finalists in the various categories signify about the state of the technology market and where things are headed in terms of trends. Spoiler alert, a lot of AI. Speaking of which, we're going to be talking a little bit about AI today. John, I wanted to ask you if you recognize whose words these are to start us off here. Missionaries build better products. Failure and invention are inseparable twins. Start with customers and work backwards. Be kind, be original, create more than you consume, and never, never let the universe smooth you into your surroundings. It remains day one. And I just gave it away there with the end. It's not much of a quiz. Who was that, John? Well, it sounds like <laughs> Jeff Bezos. It was. It was. I went back and looked for those quotes today because the topic of our conversation here is Amazon CEO Andy Jassy's second annual letter to the company's shareholders. And John, reading through it, it really struck me that this guy, Jassy, he's got a really tough act to follow in a variety of ways, but especially when you look at this moment every year in the spring when Amazon's CEO, first Bezos, and now Jassy has to come out with a letter to shareholders. Do you think he lived up to what Bezos used to do? Well, I don't think that's the expectation when you're having a CEO who's following in the footsteps of a founder. So no, and I don't think that's the intent. But to your point of Jassy being in a tough situation, this letter really spelled it out to me. I was exhausted reading the letter. <laughs> <laughs> let alone running the 30 to 70 to 110 different business units or however many it is that Amazon has. I, I, I really struggled. And it's not because it was, it's not, it's well-written. It's not poorly written. It's of course, these probably has a lot of communications professionals that are very talented. It's just the volume of things that Amazon is doing and touching on. That's just challenging. So Todd, my quiz question to you, Yes. You know how many words are in this letter? So good. I meant to do that. I did I it don't. before we hopped on the podcast. Yep. Take your guess. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I would guess 3,500. 5,164 words. Whoa. That is a huge letter. And just one last comparison to Bezos, John. I was really thinking about how to express this. And if you look back at Bezos's letters, 
he was like an oracle conveying business wisdom, you know, from the streets of Soto or the summit of Beacon Hill or the shores of Lake Union, wherever Amazon happened to be in the more than 20 years that he wrote these letters. And Jassy is perfectly fine. He's like a Harvard-educated business guy from Scarsdale telling you how things are going with his company. But that's pretty much it. And to your point, there is just a ton going on with this company to the extent that it's taking him more than 5,000 words. I mean, if a reporter on our team turned in a story of more than 5,000 words, we'd be like, okay, this is going to be a serial over the next five weeks. I mean, it's just too much. But to me... When you look through this, one of the key takeaways is that Amazon has really been scrutinizing its business and trying to narrow down the scope of things that it has going on. Jassy talks about resetting in a number of different areas, exiting certain businesses, and leaving behind, for example, the Amazon Care healthcare business at the same time they're acquiring One Medical. But clearly, they're using this moment in time to reset and try to look at what they're really doing and what's valuable and what's not. And in that process and in this letter, you can see hints of where Amazon is going and what's coming up next. What else struck you about it, John? Oh, other than, yeah, other than being exhausted by it, um, a, a <laughs> lot on logistics. Uh, I think this yep. is an often forgotten part of Amazon's business, but is critical to so much of what they do. So I think even a reference to UPS, which I thought was interesting. So I think there was there was a pretty big chunk on logistics that really stood out to me. I was surprised that Jassy mentioned grocery as a big investment for them where they see a lot of opportunity. My perception is that's been a really tough business for them and a tough nut for them to crack. So for him to call that out specifically struck me as as interesting. You know, there were elements of their international and geographic expansion that speaks to how much Amazon has in their growth potential when you think about what they can do internationally where I don't think they have as strong a penetration. So those are just some of the other areas that kind of stood out just after a quick read of the 5,000 words. To catch people up on that UPS reference, he explained that Amazon had to essentially build a last mile transportation network that is now the size of UPS. So Amazon within its fulfillment and distribution network basically has the equivalent of a United Parcel Service, which is kind of nuts to think about. For me, one of the key takeaways was that Amazon is not giving up this battle for the future of artificial intelligence to Microsoft and OpenAI and Google. He clearly was using this as a moment to say that Amazon has its own technologies, primarily within Amazon Web Services, to allow companies to create these large language models that create these generative AI tools that will eventually compete with the likes of OpenAI and Google and others in allowing companies that are customers, cloud customers of AWS, to create their own generative AI. So that was pretty interesting to me as well. John, he talked a lot about the different economic headwinds that Amazon faces and the reduction in business spending that Amazon Web Services has seen, and also the caution that a lot of consumers are showing in their own spending. And that clearly is impacting Amazon. On the topic of the economy, one line really struck me, and that was his reference to Amazon 
and its senior leaders planning to, quote, proceed adaptively as it relates to evaluating their costs going forward. I took that as a big signal that the 27,000 people that Amazon has cut so far might not be the last. Um, Now, of course, cost cutting can come in a variety of forms, but any company's largest expense is typically payroll and benefits. And Andy Jassy saying that they will continue to evaluate what they're seeing in their business and, quote, proceed adaptively really struck me as a big piece of news coming out of this particular letter. And what struck me was the sentence that came after it in the pairing of the potential for additional layoffs with the return to work. I think that was um, intentional. (laughs) You know, Mm. I think they are being very, very blunt here with the workforce. Yes, we're cutting back. We're looking at expenses. And yes, you must be back in the office if you want to work at Amazon. And again, we've talked about this on the podcast in the past, but I think a big power shift here between companies and workers is going on. And Amazon and Jassy are just jumping right into the middle of it and making it very clear where they stand on this matter. So I thought that was an interesting pairing. It's not the first time we've seen it from Amazon where they have kind of layoff news tied into work from the office news. So (laughs) I think that was extremely interesting. A little bit of the corporate version of the carrot and the stick for sure. And That return to office thread was interesting to me as well. And I want to talk more about that right after the break. You're listening to GeekWire, and we will be right back. I wanted a career in IT, but I didn't know where to start. WGU makes it simple. Their accredited online degree programs cover all kinds of IT specialties, and they have valuable industry certifications built in at no extra cost. The payoff? Having those certs back up my degree makes me look even better to future employers. A nonprofit university that includes top industry certs in their programs? I choose WGU. Learn more at wgu.edu backslash IT certs included. Welcome back. It's Todd Bishop and John Cook. We are talking this week about Amazon's annual letter to shareholders as written by Amazon CEO, Andy Jassy. And John, right before we took the break, you were pointing out the pairing of Amazon raising the possibility of future cutbacks beyond those it's already done. And then simultaneously, or right after that, pointing out that yes, we are all returning to the office in May for at least three days a week. And that to me really is the line in the sand. Andy Jassy is clearly convinced that Amazon's future depends on in-person collaboration. He had a long passage on this about the benefits of meeting in person, the impromptu discussions that happen after meetings on whiteboards from people staying behind to discuss things that might not have come up in a meeting, and just those those kinds of random interactions that can lead to some big innovations at the company. What I don't know so far is whether others are really following suit on this one, whether this is going to be the trend or the anomaly in terms of Amazon's push to get people back to the office when you look at the broader industry. Do you have a sense for that yet, John? No. And I think it is all over the map in terms of how companies are adapting to this new world of work. Obviously, we've we've had some stories recently with Rich Barton, the CEO of Zillow Group. Doesn't have as many employees as as Amazon, certainly, but they are taking a 
you know, hands-off approach, you know, work from everywhere, what they call cloud HQ. So they're taking the exact opposite approach. So it really depends on the company. I think obviously the industry, the style of leadership and the jury's out on this. And I think there will be different models that work for different types of companies. Amazon obviously is pushing very hard on the in-office environment as the future of the company. What's interesting is at the same time, they are scaling back in some ways on their physical office footprint, delaying construction in Arlington, Virginia, putting the brakes on some projects here in the Puget Sound area. So maybe that was just because they were on such a robust growth trajectory prior, and now they're being much more cautious in their growth aspirations. But those two things are, are somewhat interesting that uh, they're maybe not as expanding as rapidly as they were on the physical office construction, but yet they're forcing people back into the office. I think this in some ways is going to be the competitive advantage that companies like Zillow can cling to in terms of boosting their overall quality of talent that they're able to bring in. And the question is whether the the cachet of Amazon will survive enough to counter that as they're competing against other companies that are more flexible in their accommodations for people to work remotely. And, and that's going to be the balance that's going to happen as this plays out over the next six months to a year and, and beyond. On the topic of Andy Jassy's annual letter, the other big question in my mind is always when looking at these things, what are going to be the big drivers of Amazon's growth and what does the CEO see as those things? And we got two big clues in this letter toward the end in the mention of two things, one, Amazon's healthcare business and two, their Project Kuiper broadband satellite initiative, which is going to be competing with SpaceX's Starlink starting later this year and early next year as they start to roll this out and test it. And so those two things were in the realm of long-term bets. And it was clear that Jassy was starting to say that those could end up being potential future pillars of Amazon's business, which is always the big question. I don't know. I'm not necessarily convinced that they've found the, that fourth pillar, as Jeff Bezos would say. And I think it's notable that they're still not necessarily declaring that one of those two things is the fourth pillar and, and they're just still experimenting with, with those next big parts of their business. It seems like the jury is still out on that stuff. And especially to the extent that at the same time they're acquiring one medical in that healthcare realm, they're simultaneously shutting down Amazon Care, which was their own experiment in primary care. So just, just a lot of nascent businesses here that Amazon is still trying to manage and to your point earlier, John, on the length of the letter and the size of this business, it makes me wonder if they're perhaps not even paring down enough. Well, they do have a still have a $1 trillion market value. So they <laughs> do need to get into certain businesses that are going to justify that valuation at some point. And healthcare is one, communications is another, if they can get in there and really transform those businesses. But this speaks to the pressure that Jassy is under when you have that sort of valuation placed on your company. And it's a new leader that maybe doesn't get the uh, the magic spray that that Jeff Bezos had on him. You know, he, I don't think he has as much leeway as Bezos in some regards, and so he's going to have to deliver on these businesses. And I think you're right; it was interesting that he pointed out to those two specifically. 
The other one we've talked about as a potential pillar is the advertising business, which also gets yep. mentioned in the letter as a very fast growing and interesting business for, for Amazon, especially as they take on Google. All right, John, there was one big thing that was missing from this letter. And I'm going to quiz you on that when we come back. You're listening to GeekWire and we'll be right back. This GeekWire podcast is sponsored in part by Yale University Press. Are you concerned about the rise of AI and how it will impact our society? Every day, artificial intelligence presents us with urgent ethical challenges. How do we harness this extraordinary technology to empower rather than oppress? Nigel Shadbolt and Roger Hampson have written a how-to for building ethical machine intelligence. Their new book, As If Human, Ethics and Artificial Intelligence, is now available wherever books are sold. Welcome back. It's Todd Bishop with John Cook. We're catching up on Amazon's business this week and the annual letter that was sent to shareholders from Andy Jassy, the company's CEO. So John, there was a phrase that was missing from this letter. Off the top of your head, do you know what it was? I don't think he said it's still day one. He did not. So it's day two. <laughs> I think he just avoided the question, which, which is interesting. I went back and looked at his first letter as CEO, Andy Jassy's first letter as CEO last year, and he did, in fact, echo the classic Jeff Bezos line, it remains day one, before republishing the 1997 first shareholder letter, which was Bezos's tradition. Now, in this year's letter, Jassy did publish the 1997 letter, but he did not give it the classic intro of It Remains Day One. I can't imagine that that was done idly. In other words, that it was omitted by mistake or by oversight. I mean, that had to be a conscious decision, right? I would think so. And I would argue it was probably the smart move. It isn't day one at Amazon anymore. <laughs> They're 29 years old. They have a $1 trillion market value. It's a different type of business. And I think it's tired. I think that phrase is tired, frankly. And I think mm. it's fine for him to retire it and put his own stamp on the company for where he's taking it. And I've been impressed that he actually has done more of that than we anticipate. I think when we had some of these first podcasts, when Jassy was promoted into the CEO role, we were like, oh, he's a disciple of Bezos. And we're just going to hear more Bezos. Uh, truisms and catchphrases. Right. And he's really had to make some very, very challenging decisions. And I think he has started to put his stamp on the company in ways that I didn't imagine. So from that vantage point, I think it's smart to have him get his own catchphrase or have him, have him develop uh, the business on his own. Plus, I think it's just really hard to argue that it remains day one at Amazon. I mean, like, I know that's maybe used to motivate and fire people up, but at some point, the catchphrase stops serving that purpose. And I think we're at that juncture with this specific phrase. Right. And in the midst of cutbacks in the loss of 27,000 jobs, it not only loses its purpose, but I think it starts to become counterproductive where it generates such eye rolls and such groans that it's probably best avoided. Yeah, so good editing. On the subject of Andy Jassy and Jeff Bezos and the transition, there was an interesting interview from Amazon HQ 
done by Andrew Ross Sorkin of CNBC. And apart from reiterating some of the things that were in the letter, there were two interesting moments that stood out to me, and they both involved Bezos. Right toward the end of the interview, Andrew Ross Sorkin asked Andy Jassy if he still talks with Jeff Bezos and what they talk about. I do. I, I, I talk to him regularly. What do you guys talk about? What, what, is, what does he think is happening? We talk about different things happening in the business. We talk a lot about um, uh, large language models and generative AI. We're both really excited and passionate about it. And you know, we're investing in it very significantly across Amazon. Um, we talk about all sorts of things. It's very nice to be able to have a sounding board. And, and you know, Jeff's so talented. We've been close for a long time. It's, it's nice. I thought it was interesting that he called out generative AI as something that he and Jeff Bezos talk about. Uh, I wouldn't have been top of my list for what I would have thought they would have talked about, but hey, that's interesting that they're focusing on this huge market opportunity for Amazon, at least in their eyes. And then, John, I was so impressed with the avoider that Jassy pulled off in the end of this interview. He was asked by Andrew Ross Sorkin about the reports that Jeff Bezos was no longer planning to bid for the Washington Commanders, the NFL team. There was a report that he's, at, he's not buying the Commanders anymore. I don't know. You don't know? I'm a Giants fan. <laughs> <laughs> so that struck me as pretty savvy because that's not the kind of thing you can necessarily prep for. Although maybe he was ready for it, given that that news just broke this week that Jeff Bezos is not expected to bid for that team. And of course, that means, John, that there's still the possibility now that Jeff Bezos could end up owning your Seattle Seahawks. I think that's a real possibility. We've had Art Teal, our former colleague at the Seattle PI newspaper, on the show in the past to talk about that. And that was a very popular episode. So maybe it's time to revive that one with Art, or at least go back and listen to that if you haven't caught that in the feed. All right, John, thanks for catching up with me on Amazon. We'll be back in the world of startups and the rest of the Seattle area's tech companies very soon. Until then, thanks everybody out there for listening to the GeekWire podcast. Kurt Milton produces and edits our show. Daniel L.K. Caldwell composed and performed our theme music. I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop. And I'm GeekWire co-founder John Cook. We'll be back soon with a new episode of the GeekWire podcast.